Today on Not Sam Wrestling, the WWE draft is coming up, and that means only one thing. It's time to fantasy draft, baby. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, baby, welcome. Four, 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 welcome, everybody. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Hope everybody's doing great. I want to first thank you all who tuned in last week who watched the interview or listened to it with Leo Rush. I felt like uh, we saw a, a new a new side of Leo that uh, we hadn't really been exposed to before, and I really appreciated Leo doing the interview and everybody uh, responding to it so positively. If you haven't checked it out yet, make sure you give yourself time to. Uh, we got a lot to cover. Don't forget, uh, while we're plugging stuff, to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash wrestling, where not only... Can you get great content like the Leo Rush interview? You can get the podcast now every week in its entirety on the YouTube channel. And we're going to be posting the entire Comedy Store show. Not Sam Amania is coming to the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel. So make sure that you subscribe. Check it out. It's going to be great. So before we get to the WWE draft, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give us all the draft of everybody's dreams, I promise. But before we do that, um, I do want to talk about a little uh, a little bit of the stuff that was happening this week in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, so I think for me, and maybe it's, it's just because it happened uh, just a couple of days ago, but uh, one of the more fascinating parts of the week for me was definitely watching Twitter blow up and all of us, who watch WWE religiously trying to figure out when exactly Seth Rollins and uh, Omos became a thing. Omos. I always screw his name up. Amos. Amos. When, when did, I mean, we're watching SmackDown this week and they're like, look at what we've got in store for WrestleMania backlash. And a lot of, of, of the backlash card, of course, if you listen to Not Sam Wrestling, you knew it was coming. The, the six-man tag. You knew it was coming. Uh, uh, all the scores that have been built to settle. Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. It's going to be a big pay-per-view down there in Puerto Rico. Bad Bunny is not only uh, the host of Backlash, but his picture is literally the Backlash logo. Uh, but as they're going through the matches that we're going to see on this pay-per-view in, I think, less than two weeks at this point, Seth Rollins versus Amos is just announced. And everybody goes... Have these two ever even spoken to each other? When did this happen? And I was I was thoroughly entertained because I go, okay, I mean, I get it, right? It's the same conversation you had about why would this happen with Brock Lesnar? It's I mean, I think it has everything to do with the draft. You're not gonna start, and and that's kind of aside from Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. It's like the six man tag feels like the true definition of WrestleMania backlash, where it's the story had a bow put on it at WrestleMania. I don't, I don't necessarily buy that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens still have problems with the bloodline. Uh, their, their point was proven. Uh, clearly the bloodline is on its way to taking shape to whatever its next form is going to look like. 
But I don't think we get there until after the draft. And the draft is happening like, what, I guess this week. So like a week before the pay-per-view. For That always is weird to me. But in the meantime, we got to put on a pay-per-view and have some matches. So that's the whole point of having an Amas on your roster is that here's the story. He's eight feet tall and nobody can beat him. So a guy like Seth Rollins, now the only problem is that matches like this are designed to get a big star to have a victory that looks impressive. It feels like the same type of match that we saw at WrestleMania. Brock Lesnar versus Amos was designed so that Brock Lesnar did not need to start a new story with meat on the bone just yet because we'll all go to WrestleMania to watch him try to get an eight-foot guy up in a F5. And so now it's like Rollins is coming off of a big Logan Paul victory at WrestleMania. Before he starts his next story, let's give him a big victory on pay-per-view. Oh, that's why we have Amos. Unfortunately, if you do that two pay-per-views in a row, boy, is Amos going to need to go on a reign of terror post-draft, right after WrestleMania backlash. He's going to have to beat everybody. But um, I don't know how many of you guys follow MVP on Instagram. But MVP, you talk about what should wrestlers be doing with social media in the modern age. It's become such a complicated thing. Every hardcore wrestling fan is on social media. You know, everybody that that is watching every hour of every show is also probably tweeting about it or or posting about it on, on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And how do wrestlers, how do superstars figure out where to draw the line? How to draw the line as, as a human being versus a character that you're playing? Because you don't want to insult people's intelligence and just act like, oh, I'm just tweeting in character. But at the same time, you don't want to upset that suspension of disbelief. And, you know, I think MVP is one of the masters of that. There are a few that are really, really good at it. Because ultimately, unless you have millions of dollars wrapped up in social media, money-wise, it doesn't make sense to upset the suspension of disbelief for the benefit of your social media. That's like uh, like when people post their real names instead of their wrestling names on their Twitter account. It's like, I get it. But I hope that you've got a seven-figure deal coming with something to make it worthwhile. Because if you devalue yourself as a wrestling character, that may be devaluing the primary source of income. You got to think about like what what is more valuable? Am I going to get more value out of my real name? Or am I going to get more value out of my character name? Or is it just that important that you have a social media account under your real name. I guess some people, for me, I never understood that, but I guess some people are like, no, I just want to be able to tweet as myself and not a character I'm playing, regardless of where income, which I guess, fine, if that's where you're at. Um, But MVP is one of those guys who's figured it out. I think social media, when, when professional wrestlers use it and professional wrestling organizations use it best, it helps carry storylines along. And there are, are are superstars that have used social media to kind of try to start building momentum 
for for somewhere they want to go on television. And sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't. And that's another delicate balance. It's like, yeah, if there's something that you think you can do on TV where there's money in it, sure, if you can use your social media to push that along and kind of force the company's hand, awesome. But if it's going to upset what's already happening on television and now you're just confusing the audience, maybe it's not worth it, right? It's a fine, it's a tightrope walk. It's a fine balance. MVP does it well. MVP sends out an Instagram because he sees, right? He's aware that it's almost become a meme, this uh, almost versus Seth Rollins match, that everybody, everybody is reacting to it like, what did I miss? And MVP just posts the match graphic. And he says, I get my client all the biggest matches. And boom, done. We just solved the problem. Now, look. I think that you could have waited until MVP said that on Monday Night Raw and then announced the match. I don't know why you just announced the match as if everybody's just like, okay, that's a match now. Um, and you could say, well, you know, UFC just announces matches, and that's true. But UFC has a matchmaker, Dana White. Everybody knows Dana White is the matchmaker. And if there's a question about why a match is happening, Dana White will explain exactly why he put this match together. If we're living in a kayfabe world, Dana White would be a character. So I love that MVP sent that out on Instagram because I feel like if you go on Raw on Monday night and MVP goes, yeah, I made that match because I get my client all the biggest matches. Who on the Monday night Raw roster is bigger than Seth Rollins? What bigger platform to put the giant on than in a match in Puerto Rico at Backlash against Seth Rollins. What better place to showcase my client's abilities? If that's what we get on Monday Night Raw, then perfect. And that was all started on social media. I love it. That type of stuff, like making sense of stuff where you're like, huh, I I, I love it when that happens. It happened on SmackDown, I thought, with Karrion Cross. The promo that Karrion Cross cut. Now, I'm still feeling like we need to figure out exactly who Karrion Cross is. This is a this is still there's been this is the third Karrion Cross. There was NXT Karrion Cross that was just tearing through the whole roster. And that Karrion Cross was incredible. That Karrion Cross was awesome. That's the Karrion Cross that I think a lot of people wanted to see on the main roster, but realistically, he ain't tearing through the main roster. You know, Karrion Cross could have the entire NXT roster sacrificed to that character. But that ain't happening on Raw or SmackDown. So how do we tell that character's story on Raw or SmackDown when we can't sacrifice the entire roster to him? Well, we could put him in a leather helmet. Obviously, that didn't work. That wasn't the answer, as it turned out. Second Karrion Cross wasn't the answer. So this version of Karrion Cross, where we still have some of that... Uh, uh, demonic symbolism. We still, we're, we're now using tarot cards far more often, like we're reading the future. And, you know, when you start a rivalry, like, like Carrying Cross is, is, and this is the second time he's just kind of started a rivalry via a promo. The last one was Rey Mysterio. It was just like announced. Rey, now I've decided that I'm coming for you. And I don't think that that rivalry had the opportunity to get its feet under it because of of 
really the fact that we were all obsessed with what was going on with Ray and Dominic. All of us knew that the Ray and Dominic thing was where we were ultimately going to go. So whatever's happening with Karrion Cross, that's great now. But this is just filling this space before we get to Ray versus Dominic, which is the match that we've all been looking for. So now we get to Karrion Cross announcing that Shinsuke Nakamura's card has been pulled. And how do we, after Karrion Cross was unsuccessful against Drew McIntyre, he was in this rivalry with, with Rey Mysterio that was really just the, the go-between or the in-between waiting for the Dominic Rey match. How do we make it so that Shinsuke Nakamura should be scared? How do we convince the audience, us, that we should believe that Shinsuke is really taking this seriously and going, oh boy, this is a real threat. And I thought they did a really good job of, of kind of rewriting the history of Karrion Cross and almost giving him the story that at one point The Fiend had, Bray Wyatt. Like the thing about The Fiend was, and and I don't mind them using it for Karrion Cross because the story was never really told on WWE TV. I think us fans kind of put the pieces together. But it was that like nobody was the same after interacting with The Fiend. And they kind of started to touch on that very late into The Fiend and into this last incarnation of Bray Wyatt, but it was never, it, those were chips that I felt were never really cashed in. So now that Bray Wyatt is gone, wherever he is, I don't know. Those chips are being cashed in on Karrion Cross, and I think that it works for Karrion Cross. And and the way he explained it, it was like, okay, all right, I can buy what you're selling here, Karrion. That he goes like, uh, uh, you look at the people that, that Karrion had these rivalries with, and they're different now right? Drew McIntyre is not the sort of jovial Scotsman who's just there to, you know, make the babies smile and be the top guy anymore. No, he became much more aggressive after the Karrion Cross feud. Not only was he doing things, and you saw it in the video package to Karrion Cross that the old Drew McIntyre never would have done, but he's become, he became a brawling brute for all intents and purposes, Look at what he did at WrestleMania. It was just, this is Drew McIntyre, the guy that fights people hard. And since WrestleMania, we haven't even really seen him. Who knows what's going on with Drew McIntyre? Then we get to uh, Riddy Moe, Madcap Moss. Karrion Cross took credit for Madcap losing the thing that made him Madcap, losing that sense of humor. And they, they acknowledged the madcap used to be this guy with happy Corbin and the suspenders on and telling jokes and everything. And Karrion Cross squashed him. And after that, no more jokes. Okay. We never got the explanation as to how we know that he left Corbin, right? So it's like, okay, I guess he, he decided he didn't want to be on Corbin's side anymore. So now he doesn't tell jokes anymore. You know, at one point it was like, what did, was Corbin making him tell the jokes? Okay. I guess I like this version better. The Karrion Cross sucked the humor right out of him. And then you got the Rey Mysterio thing, which it was like, oh, okay, that was just we were waiting for the Dom match. No, 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 no. Rey finally hit Dominic Mysterio because Dominic Mysterio pushed him past the edge. Sure. But was his experience with Karrion Cross what changed him as a person? Because he was different 
after his experience with Karrion Cross, I like that this is the story that we're telling. It makes sense, and I think it adds value to all those interactions that Karrion Cross had. So now we end up in this position where maybe this will be. Maybe a match with Karrion Cross, win or lose, takes Nakamura back to either being the villain that he was post-WrestleMania match with AJ Styles. Maybe it brings him back to being the king of strong style that he was in NXT. Look, for me, and you'll see the way I've lined up the draft, I think that Shinsuke Nakamura may very well be the next opponent for Roman Reigns. And I think that because... I think that Roman needs an opponent before he ends up in a match with Jey Uso. And I think that we never got to see Shinsuke versus Roman. And I think that Roman can, uh, Shinsuke can be built up. Since he's been gone, we've now had time to cleanse our palate. And he can be built up to be that threat that he was in the WWE at one point. But in order to do that, I think he needs to be that threat. I think he needs to go back to being the king of strong style. And that's the Nakamura that Roman has to beat. Roman has to beat fresh off New Japan, Shinsuke Nakamura. And the last time, I mean, he's wrestled a match on SmackDown or two, but the last big match Nakamura had was the Muta match in Japan. So if we can take that energy and carry it through, this program with Karrion Cross into a feud with Roman Reigns. I think it's great. I just, I, I, I just, I, I liked the direction that the whole promo went in on, on, on Friday night. Um, over on the AEW side of things, you know, I think that the, uh, the pillars promo, uh, that, that opened the show, the pillars segment, it got a lot of flack. Um, I don't, so for me, I like the the Sammy MJF teaming thing. I thought worked pretty well, and I think that that I'm not sure that the four pillars together has ever piqued my interest in the last whatever three or four weeks. Has never piqued my interest as much as my interest was piqued when it was Sting, Darby, and MJF. I just still feel like MJF versus Darby is the match. You know, I, I think that, that Sammy at one point was that guy, but I don't think he's in that position anymore. I don't think that, I think that, that Sammy is not like the, the hero that we built. Sammy has become a heel. Sammy has had bad press about him. People just feel differently about Sammy and he works better as this weasel that's on the side of MJF right now. I think Sammy could be a future champion. And, uh, I don't think Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, is that guy to main event a show yet. I mean, the fact is that these are four guys who were all looked at as potential future main eventers when AEW first started. But since then, I think you're looking more at guys like Ricky Starks. You're looking more at guys like Eddie Kingston. There's other guys that I think have, have, have raised in, in the rankings. But that said, I, 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 to me, I would pivot, which maybe this is what they're doing with the tournament, to go more in an MJF Darby Allen direction. Um, but I tell you what I did love on Dynamite. Uh, I thought the Jericho Adam Cole segment 
was phenomenal. And it wasn't just because of the interaction uh, with the outcasts and uh, 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 DMD, Britt Baker. Uh, also, I hope that there is an explanation as to why Daniel Garcia handcuffed Adam Cole's wrist and the rope in the same handcuff wristband. Did you guys notice that? That he didn't cuff one end of the cuff to the rope and the other end of the cuff to Adam Cole's wrist. He put Adam Cole's wrist and the rope in one handcuff and just clasped it together, which I would imagine just did terrible things to the wrist of Adam Cole, probably risked the cuff breaking because you're not supposed to put all of that inside one cuff. Hopefully... It was because of the length of chain or something in the handcuff. The spacing wouldn't have worked because it was if it was just in that moment, that's what they did. It's silly, uh, but it's like so nitpicky. I just thought it was funny. Um, but I did. I, I thought that just the chemistry that Adam Cole and Chris Jericho have, and I guess it should come as no surprise since Adam Cole and Chris Jericho are two of the best in the industry. But just go back and watch Adam Cole and Chris Jericho yelling at each other. I thought it was awesome. It made me excited about seeing this potential match. And Jericho is such a pro. When Adam Cole called him a jagoff, and he kind of he kind of heavily pronounced the G, something you could tell, it clicked in Jericho's brain, and he said, I am not a jagoff. And just like inviting the crowd to chant jagoff. I thought it was great. Um but yeah, and then and then the uh the aftermath, the emotion of of Britt Baker getting uh, hit with the kendo stick and Adam Cole, no, no, right in front of his face. I just, beautiful poetry. Uh, probably the highlight of uh, of the week for me as far as AEW went. Uh, but we got a big week coming up for WWE. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what it's all about. And it's time to shake things up a bit. The draft returns on Friday Night SmackDown. Uh, and then goes on to Monday Night Raw. Uh, look, I, I, I am. I thought when they announced the draft that they would do it the week after Backlash, like the Monday and the Friday after Backlash. That kind of makes the most sense to me. But they're doing it before Backlash for whatever reason. So uh, here's what I decided to do. Since we can guess all we want, um, I wanted to go through the entire draft. So what we're going to do today is I was going to do one, two, three, like four tiers of draft picks. But I'm going to do six because I realize it's happening across two shows. So there's no way that they're only doing two tiers on each show. So I'm going to do six tiers. Now, I'm not going to break it up because they'll, they'll what the WWE will probably do, what they've done in the past, is they'll break the draft up into two pools. That way you don't have all the number one picks happening on SmackDown and then everybody that's left over happening on Raw, that doesn't make for good TV. I'm not going to go that far with my draft. I'm just going to do six tiers that are not necessarily ranked. I mean, the, obviously the best people are going to be drafted first, but uh, I please don't get too caught up on who's in what tier. I, I tried to do it in a way that made sense logically, um, but I'm going to do it in groups of five. So SmackDown and Raw will each get five draft picks uh, uh, for each uh, tier. Um, now, uh, I think that in order for this draft to work, I think that the 
they've hyped it up, right? Triple H came to the ring and announced it. I think that they should at least make a college effort to make the draft stick. These are the brands that these superstars are going to be on. Now, in order for it to really count, there should be some kind of authority figures. I know they decided to wipe those out because they thought they were played out. Authority figures are not played out. Having the entire show centered around an authority figure is played out. Having Constable Corbin on for eight segments, and if you were at the comedy store for Not Sam Mania, you know that he would agree with this. That is too much. But having a, an authority figure just to kind of make sense of the loose ends, I think makes sense. And we've got that with Adam Pierce. But right now we've got one authority figure over both brands. So it makes having a draft difficult. Now, I don't think it makes sense to cast authority figures and then immediately do a draft. However, I think if you want to make the separate rosters count, you do need to have separate authority figures. So I am gonna cast GMs for Raw and SmackDown, but I'm gonna do it after the draft. Um, I'm gonna say that nobody is aware, that there's there, there's higher ups in control of the draft this year. I think that, that for this storyline, you can kind of play with the fact that a lot of the audience is aware that somebody other than Triple H, Vince McMahon, may have their hands on creative. I think that that because it's such a delicate issue right now with the sale and everything, you can't just have Vince go on TV and go, I'm in charge now, because it, it'll be like when they sold Raw to Donald Trump in storyline, and they had to stop the storyline because all the investors thought that he had really bought the company or something like that. It's too confusing. But I do think that for the purposes of the televised draft, you can say that there are, 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 are higher ups in power that have made these decisions, that Adam Pierce doesn't know, that even Triple H doesn't know. And you can have Adam Pierce before the show going like, you know, uh, Paul, like I haven't gotten any of these draft picks. And Paul goes, honestly, I don't know who's getting drafted and have everybody just finding out at the same time that way. Implication being that Vince is making the calls, but we never actually say that Vince is making the calls. So that's how I would do it. And I would have the rules go. So it's always confusing. Some years they've done draft picks have to be made individually. That's how teams get separated. Other times they've said draft picks can be made as a team or as separate picks which has always been confusing because why wouldn't you just draft two people if you can get two people in one pick? So for my draft rules, I'm going to say that you can draft teams or factions. However, if you draft a team, what you're doing is allowing your the opposing brand to draft a team at the same time. So like if I draft the Street Profits, I've opened the door to allow the opposing team to draft a team. I've, I've opened the door to allow Raw to now draft a tag team. 
right? So it's, it becomes strategic. So like, I want the new day, but do I want them badly enough that I'm gonna open the door to allow SmackDown to get the street profits, right? Or I just want this one pick, so I'm not gonna be the one that starts this precedent. It's, you know, I want the whole judgment day, but am I gonna open that up to allow Raw to take this other three per hit row or whatever three person faction. So that those are the rules that I'm going by. And I, you know, I'll, I'll explain as I go. Okay. So here's what we've got for our first round. SmackDown goes first because it's happening on Friday nights and it makes no sense to draft anyone other than Roman Reigns first. SmackDown drafts the WWE undisputed universal champion, Roman Reigns. Now, uh, I say that uh, 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 they said everybody's open. So I'm keeping all champions open, NXT's open, everybody's open in this draft. That's the way I think it should be. Raw gets the next pick. And this year, I want to use, since we have two number one picks, I'd like to use the second number one pick as a real statement piece. Raw drafts Gunther number one. And everybody goes, whoa. Okay, now we're on to something, right? Because you're going, well, why wouldn't you draft Cody Rhodes? Again, we're telling this story of Cody Rhodes being rebuilt. Cody Rhodes isn't going to get drafted low, but he ain't going to get drafted number one. That's a mountain that he's got to climb. And... It allows you, it's not just about Cody not getting number one. It's about Gunther getting number one. Letting the world know Raw has the Intercontinental Championship now. And Gunther is a real player. SmackDown gets the next pick. SmackDown's number two pick is Seth Rollins. Boom. Now we're fighting fire with fire. Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins both going to SmackDown. The mind starts going crazy. Are we going to get Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns at some point? Raw comes back. Their number two pick is going to be Cody Rhodes. So now we've got Gunther and Cody Rhodes on Raw. Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns on SmackDown. SmackDown comes back. They're feeling like, ooh, Raw just picked a strong one. SmackDown's number three pick is Bianca Belair. What? The Raw Women's Champion gets drafted to SmackDown. And that's just about Bianca Belair. You know, she went to WrestleMania. She beat Asuka. It's time to start telling new stories. It's time to start uh, working with new opponents. It's time for a, a, a fresh coat of paint. And Bianca Belair is going to get that on the blue brand. Raw responds in kind and immediately drafts Rhea Ripley. Same story, fresh coat of paint. I don't mind a title switch. It doesn't make sense to bring the SmackDown title to Raw or vice versa. So they're going to trade titles. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think the lineage is the only uh, question. I feel like, especially for Bianca Belair, she's had the title for a while. I think it remains intact. But honestly, I don't think we're concentrating on anyone's championship lineage as long as Roman Reigns is going for the thousand days anyway. So Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley are switching brands. SmackDown gets the next pick. They're drafting Bobby Lashley. Give Bobby Lashley the boost that he needs, right? Give, let everybody know Bobby Lashley is still a major, major star, but he's not doing much on, on Raw. 
and it gives him the opportunity to potentially down the road work with Roman Reigns. Raw turns around and Raw drafts Brock Lesnar. So as Cody Rhodes is looking at the field, he's looking like he's going to be the top guy on Monday Night Raw, right? Well, he's got Gunther and Brock Lesnar. So now Brock Lesnar is looking at Cody Rhodes. Gunther is looking at Cody Rhodes, but Brock Lesnar and Gunther are also looking at each other. We've got a lot of potential there. SmackDown comes in with the fifth pick, the Usos. Jimmy and Jay Uso come to SmackDown, the first tag team drafted. It allows Raw to take a tag team. They decide not to take a tag team. Instead, they're going to go for the quick pick. Raw drafts Solo Sokoa. Maybe the most dramatic pick of the first round. The bloodline is broken up. The We see the locker room. Roman is uh, looking at Paul Heyman like, how could you allow this to happen? The Usos are like, uh, what? I can't believe this. Solo Sokoa, he's still stoic, but he's looking around like, what am I going to do here? But the heat is on Heyman now. Roman is looking at Heyman like he's screwed something up royally. You were supposed to keep the bloodline together. Solo Sokoa is on Monday Night Raw. Cody Rhodes is looking down. That's the barrel that he's looking down. Gunther, Brock Lesnar, and Solo Sokoa. Insane. Insane. And now we can begin to tell that story of the bloodline disintegrating without Solo Sokoa getting involved. I feel like by the time we get to SummerSlam, the Usos will probably be a good guy tag team and Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman will simply be that solo act. No pun intended as Solo Sokoa dominates Monday Night Raw. And maybe at some point, Paul Heyman, who's not drafted, he's an advocate, begins to act as Solo Sokoa's advocate on Monday Night Raw. Maybe Paul Heyman goes to Raw with Solo Sokoa and also is on SmackDown with Roman Reigns, which will eventually bring us to a place where maybe Solo Sokoa wins the Royal Rumble representing Monday Night Raw, and maybe Solo Sokoa, maybe maybe the titles have changed. Maybe we'll split the titles at some point. And maybe Solo Sokoa challenges Roman Reigns next year at WrestleMania if Roman is still a title holder, which I believe he will be because he's going for Bruno San Martino's record. And now Paul Heyman has to make that call. I don't know. But the first round, SmackDown has Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Bianca Belair, Bobby Lashley, and the Usos. Raw has Gunther, Cody Rhodes, Rhea Ripley, Brock Lesnar, and Solo Sokoa. We go to the second round. The second round of draft picks. SmackDown starts with Charlotte Flair. The Queen stays on SmackDown and Raw responds with Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch stays on Monday Night Raw. So now we still have the benefit. We can we can move into a space where maybe Rhea Ripley's challenged by Becky Lynch. We can get back into a Charlotte Flair versus Bianca Belair type of story that we never quite got. And these can happen on those separate brands. SmackDown is going to respond by drafting Austin Theory so the United States Championship can come over to SmackDown and Austin Theory can begin to tell new stories on SmackDown and Raw hits another aggressive move. Now, there is something happening on Monday Night Raw where they are getting extra aggressive because Raw drafts Sami Zayn solo. And you're like, what? 
So in the immediate, we do probably have a Sami Zayn solo Sokoa match on the horizon because SmackDown is now getting aggressive and they're drafting Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, the tag team champions, are now separated. The last time we're going to see them together is at WrestleMania Backlash. And then those titles are going to be split. For me, storyline-wise, I think the SmackDown title stay with Kevin Owens and the Raw title stay with Sami Zayn. And they find new partners in the new stories that we tell on Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown. But Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are separated. And I'll explain my logic behind that, which is that they, as a tag team, have already reached the pinnacle of what they can achieve as a tag team. There is no bigger moment for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens as a tag team than WrestleMania. Beating the Usos, completing that story, going all the way, that, that is what the story of their team is. So, what are you gonna, where are you going to go from there, right? So instead of having them lose... To attend, and there's no bigger tag team than the Usos. Now, you're not going to have them lose to the Usos. You could separate the titles somehow. You're not going to have them lose. What tag team could ever beat Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn without it seeming like a letdown because WrestleMania was such a special moment? You don't want Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn turning on one another because we've seen it before. So let's just immediately separate it. Let's leave people wanting more. Separate this tag team and have them pick new partners and see where that takes us. Raw drafts the entire LWO. That's all of Legato and Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio is LWO, so that's four plus Zelina. That's a five-person team. Raw gets all of them. And SmackDown, there is no five-person group other than the LWO. And so they could respond by taking a three-person group, a four-person group, but instead, SmackDown drafts Bad Bunny. SmackDown goes, okay, you want the LWO? We have exclusive rights to Bad Bunny. Raw drafts Drew McIntyre. So Drew McIntyre is now headed over to Monday Night Raw. SmackDown drafts Bailey. Whoa, are we separating damage control? We don't know yet because Raw realizing that, okay, they got Drew McIntyre before SmackDown got a chance, but they lost Bad Bunny. They need that star power. Raw drafts Logan Paul. So Bad Bunny is on SmackDown. Raw's got Logan Paul. So the second round, SmackDown's got Charlotte Flair, Austin Theory with the United States Championship, Kevin Owens with the SmackDown tag titles, Bad Bunny, and Bailey, And Raw has Becky Lynch, Sami Zayn, the LWO with Rey Mysterio, Drew McIntyre, and Logan Paul. And yeah, I understand that this means Bad Bunny and the LWO are now on separate brands, but just allow me to continue where I'm going. It, it I think, uh, lets you know how serious the draft is when you're taking guys like Bad Bunny and Logan Paul and you're separating them. And you're going, well, well if, if, if it's just Vince controlling this, why is it so aggressive and competitive going back and forth? Well, we will find out that there are GMs running Raw and SmackDown now, which we'll get to in a second. SmackDown starts the third round, 
and they draft Edge. Edge is now a SmackDown superstar, and Raw responds by drafting Omos. Now, this allows us to have Seth Rollins beat Omos at Backlash, and we don't even have to mention it ever again because Seth is going to go to SmackDown after Backlash, and Omos is going to stay on Monday Night Raw, and we can start a whole new story with Omos. We can even do Sami Zayn versus Amos. Maybe that's the new mountain he's got to climb up. Maybe Amos gets a tag team partner and Sami Zayn starts teaming with, I don't know. You know, I mean, since they got Rey Mysterio, Sami Zayn teaming with Rey Mysterio as the Raw Tag Team Champions is a fun combination. And then Amos and whoever, we'll see where this takes us, could also be great. Uh, SmackDown goes, okay, we'll open this back up. We're going to draft the Judgment Day. The entire Judgment Day gets drafted to SmackDown. So SmackDown already has Rhea Ripley joining her. Oh, no, no, no. We're separating. Sorry. Raw got Rhea Ripley. They just took the champion. So now Rhea's over here doing her own thing, which is what she should be doing anyway. And SmackDown has the Judgment Day, which is Dominic, Finn Balor, and uh, Damian Priest. Now, the question is, can Dominic stay strong without Rhea Ripley? I don't know. I hope he can because I'm 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 going towards Dominic and Bad Bunny as a team. Now, maybe there's a new heater for Dominic to get. Maybe Dominic and Charlotte. Maybe, I don't know. That's the one risk that I'm taking here by putting the Judgment Day over on SmackDown. But I'm willing to take that risk because I want to get I want to get Smack. I want to get Judgment Day involved on SmackDown. Raw drafts Imperium, the tag team. Imperium. So now Imperium is joining Gunther on Raw. So now we've got a potential LWO versus Imperium situation. Uh, SmackDown turns around and drafts Sonya Deville. Raw opens it up, drafts Liv and Raquel, who are technically a tag team. They're the Raw. They're the women's tag team champions. They'll continue to defend those titles across both brands. However, they're both Raw superstars. SmackDown responds going, okay, we're we're getting teams. We're going to take the New Day, which is we see it as Kofi and Xavier, but theoretically, if and when Big E comes back, and we don't mention this, but if and when Big E comes back, he'll be able to come back to SmackDown um, and join the New Day. We don't mention it on the draft special, but... Uh, Raw drafts Bronson Reed, big draft pick. SmackDown gets Riddle. Riddle moves from Raw over to SmackDown. He'll be joining Kevin Owens over there. And Raw finishes the third round with a big draft pick, a nice spot for L.A. Knight. Yeah! I think that L.A. Knight needs to get a big draft spot. The end of the third round is, I think, appropriate for L.A. Knight. And I think having him move to Monday Night Raw and uh, getting a refresher would be really, really good. So that's that third round. Edge, Judgment Day, Sonya Deville, New Day, and Riddle on SmackDown. Amas, Imperium, Liv and Raquel, Bronson Reed, and LA Knight over on Monday Night Raw. We're going to get into the fourth round now. The first pick of SmackDown's fourth round is Ronda Rousey. The first pick of Raw's fourth round is Asuka. SmackDown turns around and they draft Sheamus and the Brutes, right? So that's all three members of the Brutes and she Sheamus with both guys, 
are staying on SmackDown. So Raw turns around and gets Hit Row. Three for three, baby. Hit Row comes over to Monday Night Raw. I think Hit Row's done about all they're going to do on SmackDown anyway. SmackDown turns around and really shakes things up by drafting Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller is coming to SmackDown and Raw turns around and this is a surprise because now we need to start getting some surprises in there. Raw drafts Julius Creed. Julius Creed, the second NXT draft pick of the 2023 WWE draft. There are a lot of big picks at NXT right now. A lot of people wondering when people are going to show up on the main roster, but not enough people are talking about Julius Creed. Julius Creed is, to me, a future WWE champion. Julius Creed has everything you could possibly want in a future talent, uh, and I think he will excel, and he'll also have room to grow. He's got a lot of great power opponents over on Raw with the way this uh, roster is set up now. So Julius Creed goes over to Monday Night Raw. SmackDown keeps Shinsuke Nakamura. Again, we're going to start amping up towards uh, Roman Reigns versus Shinsuke Nakamura. And the reason why Karrion Cross's rivalry with Shinsuke Nakamura will not last long is because Karrion Cross gets drafted to Monday Night Raw. Karrion Cross goes over to Raw. Maybe Julius Creed. Maybe Bronson Reed. Maybe Sami Zayn gets haunted by Karrion Cross. But whatever it is, Karrion Cross goes over to Monday Night Raw. SmackDown gets another NXT pick, Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate is coming over to SmackDown Raw. Again, a surprise pick. Raw is 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 doing some things you wouldn't expect. Raw picks Alba Fire. Alba Fire goes over to Raw. So the fourth round is Ronda Rousey, Sheamus and the Brutes, Grayson Waller, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Tyler Bate on Monday Night Raw. I mean, on SmackDown. I'm sorry, on SmackDown. And Asuka, Hit Row, Julius Creed, Karrion Cross, and Alba Fire on Monday Night Raw. We got two rounds left, ladies and gentlemen, as SmackDown opens up by drafting Braun Strowman. Raw responds by grabbing Alpha Academy. SmackDown takes Mi Chin, Mia Yim, whatever her name is now. They're grabbing Mi Chin. Mi Chin is coming over to SmackDown. Raw is keeping Io Shirai, but that means it's official. We've broken up damage control. And I think it's okay. I know people don't want to break up damage control, but... I don't know what's left for Damage Control to do. Damage Control has had a lot of big matches. They've lost a lot of big matches. For me, I think it's time to break them up. And I think it's that's going to be a best-case scenario for Io Shirai to become a title contender on Monday Night Raw and for Bailey to become a title contender on SmackDown. I think Bailey can can restart a chase with Bianca Belair, or maybe Bianca Belair loses the title at some point, Bianca Belair and, and Bailey chases the new champion. And I think Io Shirai at some point, not right away, but at some point chasing Rhea Ripley is a good look. Uh, SmackDown keeps it going on the women's side. They're dipping into NXT and bringing up Zoe Stark. Raw is bringing up Nikita Lyons. So you got Zoe Stark on SmackDown, Nikita Lyons 
coming to Monday Night Raw. SmackDown is grabbing The Miz. The Miz is moving from Monday Night Raw back to SmackDown. The Miz became a big, big star on SmackDown. Uh, I don't think it's a bad time for The Miz to get refreshed. I don't think it's a bad look for SmackDown to have Miz TV come over. Uh, Maurice is going to end up coming with him. Some new stories. I think it would be good for all parties involved. Uh, and Raw uh, grabs Boogs. Raw is grabbing Boogs. Boogs a big guy. I think Boogs might already technically, I don't know. I've seen, I don't know where Boogs is right now, but let's cement him on Monday Night Raw. SmackDown is ending the fifth round with Ricochet. And Raw is ending the fifth round, dipping back into NXT with Tiffany Stratton. Tiffany Stratton is a gold mine of potential, and she'll be coming to Monday Night Raw. So at the end of the fifth round, Braun Strowman, Mee Chin, Zoe Stark, The Miz, and Ricochet. All on SmackDown. Alpha Academy, Io Shirai, Nikita Lyons, Boogs, and Tiffany Stratton on Monday Night Raw. And I'll tell you the reason why I drafted Braun Strowman and Ricochet separately. It's because I think that in the short term, they will be a great tag team still on SmackDown. I think they become uh, a great contender to the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. But I think that they also need to be looked at as single stars. I think that when they're drafted, people look at them as single stars, where they will get a lot done as a tag team. But... But uh, will still be uh, very valuable single stars on the SmackDown brand. And the fifth, uh, sixth, and final round, SmackDown starts with Shayna Baszler. Raw takes Shotzi. SmackDown's going to take Ali. Ali moving. So Ali goes to SmackDown. His new Prince of Positivity character. I just love it. Uh, and I think it uh, will do good on SmackDown. Raw is going to take uh, Riddick Moss, Madcap Moss, whatever. I think you can officially call him Riddick once he goes over to Monday Night Raw. SmackDown takes Johnny Gargano, a new fresh coat of paint uh, uh, for Johnny Gargano on SmackDown. Raw is going to keep maximum male models. SmackDown is going to respond to that, taking a team of their own. The Street Profits coming back to SmackDown. I think they were on SmackDown before. Whatever. The Street Profits are on SmackDown. They may already be on SmackDown. I've... The draft has gotten very convoluted. Street Profits are on SmackDown. Raw is taking Ilya Dragunov coming up from NXT. Ilya Dragunov. SmackDown is grabbing the club. The final draft pick for SmackDown is all three members of the club. I think Meechin they already took in a different draft pick. Uh, she's like an unofficial member caller. But the club, AJ, Gallows, and Anderson... Coming over to SmackDown. So whenever AJ is healthy, he'll be on SmackDown to compete against people like Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, uh, maybe Austin Theory at some point, Sheamus. And the final pick for Monday Night Raw is the Viking Raiders, a three-person group. The Viking Raiders go to Monday Night Raw. And that is the complete draft. Uh, everybody on the main roster who's undrafted get uh, divvied up via WWE.com and Twitter and all that stuff. So um, to answer some questions now, because everything is, is, is storyline-wise, right? Uh, why was there so much contention? Why was it so dramatic between Raw and SmackDown? If it's just the higher-ups making the calls, well, we find out at the end that the WWE has instilled new GMs, that Adam Pearce, 
will remain WWE commissioner who will oversee all WWE, meaning all three brands. Technically, Adam Pierce will also oversee NXT, but we will see less of Adam Pierce because the new GMs of Raw and SmackDown, Raw will see Shawn Michaels moving from NXT up to Monday Night Raw. And I know, I'm sure the guy doesn't want to travel, whatever. But I feel like, you know, it's like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever it was, having Ric Flair show up as a GM was awesome because people watched it with a sense of nostalgia. Now, all, the, all us Attitude Era fans are grown up. If we know Shawn Michaels is going to be on Raw, every week, even in a diminished capacity. Like he's not in every segment, but he's just the, he's just a deal maker when, when a superstar has to go. When Chelsea Green is complaining to somebody in the office at Shawn Michaels, I'm watching that. So Shawn Michaels is the GM of Monday Night Raw. And on SmackDown, Lita is the GM. Lita runs SmackDown. Shawn Michaels runs Raw. Both report to Adam Pierce, who reports to Triple H. That is the power structure that I have in place of the newly drafted on-screen kayfabe WWE. And to answer some questions about people who went undrafted. First, Braun Breaker, right? Look at all the people we drafted from NXT. We drafted uh, uh, Grayson Waller. Tyler Bate, Julius Creed, Alba Fire, Zoe Stark, Nikita Lyons, Tiffany Stratton. Uh, feel like there was one more. Ilya Dragunov. No Braun Breaker. Well, the reason that Braun Breaker was not drafted is because, number one, I think he's got a big match coming up at the next NXT uh, Premium Live event. But even more importantly... Braun Breaker is going to Monday Night Raw. But whether it's in his first match with Brock Lesnar or whether it's in his second match with Brock Lesnar, when Cody Rhodes does eventually beat Brock Lesnar, immediately after the match, he will be attacked by Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker, as he's become a heel in NXT, will come in as the next mountain for Cody Rhodes to climb. So Braun Breaker is headed to Monday Night Raw, but he's coming in as a surprise to attack Cody Rhodes, uh, not part of the draft. He's actually bigger than the draft. Uh, I didn't uh, draft Baron Corbin because I thought it would be funny if Baron Corbin was bummed about not being drafted. You know, he gets drafted on Twitter and he goes to see either like whoever it is, Lita or Shawn Michaels. Look, I know it wasn't one of your picks, but I really want to show you what I can do. I don't understand why it wasn't one of your picks. And Chelsea Green was also not drafted. Sonya Deville was high, but Chelsea Green was not drafted. The reason Sonya Deville was drafted so high and Chelsea Green was not drafted at all is so Chelsea Green can complain about it on TV. Chelsea Green is going to ask to see the manager to explain why she wasn't drafted. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your Not Sam 2023 WWE draft. I think it's got a lot of potential. I think uh, it sounds fun to me. I'm interested in what you guys think. If you have any thoughts, uh, please don't hesitate to email us. Uh, 
notsamwrestling at gmail.com. That's notsamwrestling at gmail.com. We still got some a uh, couple of minutes left today, so uh, we didn't get to last week because of the interview with Leo Rush, but I figure... Why not get into some emails today, okay? Uh, Shiamo writes in. Shiamo's writing in almost every week now. Not samwrestling at gmail.com, by the way, if you want your question answered. Uh, hey, Sam, what do you think of the idea of switching brands between Gunther with Imperium and Austin Theory? You know exactly what I think of that. I love the idea. I'm drafting Gunther number one and Austin Theory number, I guess, technically seven, number two in the second round. Uh, I think if you're splitting the titles, Gunther should be on Raw as the top heel contender after he drops the Intercontinental Championship. Thoughts, please. Well, I think that Gunther, I think it's a great idea, believe it or not. Usually these emails, I poo-poo. But I, I think that Gunther keeps the Intercontinental title and he's still like, maybe you don't split the title. I don't think you're splitting the titles at the draft because the draft is happening in one week. So you're not splitting the titles on Friday. You know, so that's not happening. So in the meantime, Gunther is drafted number one and as Intercontinental Champion becomes the Supreme Champion of Monday Night Raw. I do think eventually they should split the titles. But in the meantime, Gunther, Intercontinental Champion, becomes the top heel on Monday Night Raw by default. That works for me. What can I tell you? Uh, let's go to Neil from Australia. Hi, Sam. Love listening to your podcast every week. I know you think Logan Paul is a big star, but I would give money in the bank to Gunther or Drew McIntyre. Just my thoughts. Have a great day. Neither Gunther nor Drew McIntyre need the money in the bank briefcase. There is not, it's a terrible idea. There is nothing exciting about Gunther or Drew McIntyre holding the money in the bank briefcase because at any point, Gunther or Drew McIntyre are justified at getting a championship match. I mean, by definition, by character, okay? Neither one of them would utilize the clause. Drew has too much integrity. Unless Drew is going to turn heel, which, I mean, I guess he could. He could run in and drop Roman Reigns, I guess, with a Claymore and take one of the two championships, right? But... He's got to be a heel because if he does that as a baby face, then I mean, th there's no integrity to that. And Gunther's whole character is that the mat is sacred. Gunther's whole character is taking the sport of professional wrestling seriously. That's who Gunther is as a character. Gunther would be demeaned by the briefcase. Gunther would be demeaned by a prop. If you're really looking at the characters of both Drew McIntyre and Gunther, both of those characters would do the John Cena thing where they announce in advance that they're cashing the briefcase in. I hate that. I hate having a main eventer who could get a title match anyway cash in the briefcase by announcing early that they're going to do it. It's like, just announce that John Cena is going to main event. Just announce that Drew McIntyre or Gunther are getting a shot at the title. Both Drew, would anybody argue that Drew McIntyre or Gunther are in, are in a title match? It makes no sense, Neil. It's crazy. The reason Logan Paul 
having the money in the bank briefcase is insane and fun is because you actually think, oh no, they're going to put the title on him. This is terrible. And it allows you to put the title on Logan Paul in a way that doesn't upset the integrity of the WWE brand. Come on, dude. Colorado Wedding from uh, Aaron. Good morning, Sam. Turnbuckle told me, Turnbuckle is one of our shells, told me to ask you a question on his behalf. Do you know the reason or reasons WWE hasn't put on a premium live event in Chicago? I mean, in Colorado. I don't know why I said Chicago. Colorado for the longest time. I think the last one was 2004. Would love to see one here, but mostly getting live shows. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You'd have to ask. I would imagine it would have to do with the draw. I would imagine it would have to do with the money that they make there. I would imagine it would have to do with the time change. You know, I, I think that the idea of putting on a premium live event at six o'clock, uh, uh, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon, you might be able to pull it off in LA because LA is such a huge market. But like, I don't know, I, I don't, I feel like you don't see a lot of premium live events happening in uh, Phoenix, in Arizona, in a lot of those West Coast areas. So it would probably have a lot to do with that, right? Because you would expect people to show up at 5 p.m. I don't know. Maybe Colorado's just not a giant market. It's Colorado. Uh, and finally, let's, uh, let's end on this one. Dylan says, uh, hey, Sam, I caught another house show this week and had a blast. I had a few things come into mind recently that I would love to take get your take on. Number one, the greatest thing Edge ever did was create the Judgment Day. Thoughts? No, of course not. Maybe the best thing Edge has done in the last year or two. But no, I mean, his whole rated R superstar run was better. Like, I mean, you're really stretching here because then what you're doing is saying, well, if it hadn't been for Edge creating the Judgment Day, Rhea Ripley wouldn't have gotten this run and Dominic wouldn't have gotten this run. So we wouldn't have gotten Rhea Ripley being the star that she is and we wouldn't have gotten Dominic versus Ray being as good as it was. Like that's that you you are you are gonna pull a hamstring, you're stretching so far. No, I mean Edge is one of the greatest of all time. Uh, uh, the 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 if I had to do one thing, like the greatest thing Edge ever did was bounce off of a real controversy with Matt Hardy and turn himself into the greatest villain of all time. Edge, not the greatest, one of the greatest villains of all time, certainly of his era. Edge was the Roddy Piper to John Cena's Hulk Hogan, okay? Let's not go making grand statements that we can't take back. Number two, the women's mid-card would be better served with a singles title instead of a tag title. Let's pretend that WWE is going to introduce a women's singles mid-card title and that you had to name it, what would you call it? I mean, I guess... Uh, you you call it uh i i'd probably bring back the european championship and make it a female championship that's probably what i would do if i if i had to make a secondary women's championship 
I would reinstate the European championship and make it a female championship. That's it. Because that way it would be a championship with some prestige. People love the European championship. So that's what I would do. I disagree with your premise. I think that the women do not need a secondary title. The women's mid card needs good stories. I think the WWE need to tell stories with women that don't center around championships. They need to do both. Some stories need to center around championships, but we also need to have women's stories that are meaty and, and exist without titles. I would not advocate for a secondary title being added to the women's division. I would advocate for more stories being told in the women's division. However, if you were twisting my arm and said, look, dude, I wrote the email. You got to give me something here. Then I would bring back the European championship and make it a female title. That's where I stand on the matter. I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well as uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. Uh, if you want even more content, uh, sign up uh, at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling to become a Not Sam show. And we will see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling.